sei come nessuno è riuscito mai. All right, welcome back to Mon Men. I am Yanata Blue here once again with Michael Darling, as always. And this week we are joined by Dan Duddy. Dan, thanks so much for coming by the show. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> um, so before we dive in, as always, I'm starting to remember to do this at the start of episodes. Please tell us a little bit about your background with Pokemon. Yeah, well, background with Pokemon, I am, I just turned 28, so it was kind of Pokemon probably shaped me as a person. <laughs> it was like right in that time where uh, I moved to a new school and uh, had no friends and everyone was playing Red and Blue, the original uh, Red and Blue on Game Boy during recess. And, you know, you couldn't talk to anyone because they were engrossed in their game. <laughs> so for like a couple months, I just sat outside on a swing by myself and then uh, begged my mom to get me a Game Boy, to get me Pokemon so I could finally make friends, and I did, and that is why I, you know, go to maybe half as much therapy as I Aww. probably would have <laughs> had it not been for Pokemon. You get red or blue? I got red. Oh. Yeah. And what did you choose for your starter? Charmander. Okay. See, right. I chose Star Charmander, but I had blue, mm -hmm. um, which makes me a weirdo, according to Michael Darling. I guess that's that's a little atypical. You know, you, you, you <laughs> that's go a much with better the... diplomatic term. You know, you, you can be two things. You you stick with the yeah no that's interesting. I, I want I bet there's like a Buzzfeed quiz that tells you what like psychological problem <laughs> you have. It's like the equiv Pokemon equivalent of like a Sorting Hat quiz or something yeah. like that. There probably is one, but rather than playing a game alone on a swing, how would you like to play a game against Michael Darling here, called Mon Mom? No, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were about to have our first refusal. I was going to give wow. the point to Michael. Yeah. Too bad. Just get up and leave. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me, guys. Fuck you. I'm out. <laughs> Walks up. No, I think it would be even better if you walked over to a corner of the room, pulled a Game Boy out, and just refused to talk to us for the next hour. <laughs> All right. So for those of you guys who are new and to refresh listeners, Mon Mom is the game where I've sent my mom a picture of one of the Pokemon that we're going to be talking about today. And today we'll be going through Kangaskhan, Horsey and Seedra, Goldeen and Seeking, and Staryu and Starmie. She has been sent a photo of one of these Pokemon. She's going to describe it and give it a name, and it'll be up to our co-hosts to guess which one she's talking about. Gentlemen, are you ready? Let's do this thing. Let's do this thing. Here we go. This Pokemon looks like an African cichlid. I will name it Shiloh. Okay, so as always, we ask Michael Darling to go first so that our guest can either play defensively and copy his guess or play aggressively and go somewhere different. So, Michael. Uh, so, an African cichlid? An African cichlid. Ah, I have no idea what that is. And I feel like I can't start asking 21 questions type uh, questions here. Nope. Is it bigger than a bread box? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I have no clue. Uh, I'm thinking that because we've got... A bunch of water Pokemon. Mm -hmm. We've got a seahorse family, a goldfish family, and a starfish family. We've also got Kangaskhan, and I feel like that one might be the odd one out. And I'm guessing that's the African cichlid? Yep, you're pronouncing it correctly. Okay, I'm guessing that's the African cichlid that she's describing. Okay, so I have your guess as Kangaskhan? Yeah, lock it in. All right, Dan? Yeah, I think that's a good guess. Uh, I also don't know what an African cichlid is. I feel racist for not knowing. But uh, maybe I'm even more racist for thinking that I'm racist for not knowing. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go, though, I, I think I'm going to go with Cedra because I think all the other things, Horsey would have just been a straight-up uh, seahorse, 
Goldeen would have just been a goldfish. Sea King just been a fat, bigger fish. Star you, star me would have been starfish. So if it's not Genghisgan, then I think Seedra is a little bit more atypical looking. An African cichlid, like that, that could be a fish of some sort. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Seedra, locking it in. Well, this hasn't happened in a very long time, but neither of you got it correct. Wow. Now, what I do have ready is a picture of an African cichlid on my phone. And when I show you this picture, you're going to know immediately which Pokemon it was. Is it Sea King? Oh, oh, I guess it's Goldeen. Yeah. yeah, it's Sea King. Oh, well, okay. So, there you go. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about that. She just, yeah, wow. I sent her. I figured the horn would have been too much. I didn't want the horn to give it away. So I went with Sea King, and she just immediately likened it. I'd never heard of an African cichlid either. It's just, for those of you guys that cannot see what I just held up to Michael <laughs> Darling and Dan. <laughs> fucking it, Google it. It's a picture of a fish, of an aquarium fish that are sold in a lot of pet stores, apparently, um, that looks just like a Sea King, actually. Minus, minus the horn. Minus, the, minus horn. the horn and with a little bit less fancy anime coloration. I like that she completely bypassed the horn, which I would think would be the big defining factor. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, my mom called a coughing a cannonball disaster. Oh, God. That's uh, no, she like called that. wheezing a cannonball Oh, yeah, disaster. that's right. So, yeah, I mean, so for her to go, I was even thrown off when she, like, first sent me the message because I'm used to her going for these kinds of more illustrative descriptions, but for her to pull, like, an actual specific creature was a little bit out there, and I loved it. Um, but let's go with what darling thought the cichlid was which is kangaskhan first so darling cue us up kangaskhan is a normal type you first encounter at the fucking safari zone we're still there oh yeah we're stuck there for a while i think do you remember the safari zone from the game yeah of course yeah i we've talked about it now on two episodes in a row and i've kind of uh labeled it as carny bullshit Uh (laughs) because it just felt like a whole shenanigans like you had to use these specific balls you couldn't use your pokemon at all in there you had to pay to get in you had to follow a step counter well no that's totally true i mean in a in a universe in which the whole world is a safari zone (laughs) to have a safari zone encapsulated within that and then charge people money for it that does seem like a capitalist scam oh yeah and then to also say wait here's this food that you also have to pay for you can use this to try to keep the pokemon around or rocks to throw at them, but you cannot <laughs> use any of your other things that you've learned to use to capture Pokemon. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah, yeah. So I've, uh, I'm, you know, I think this is a fairly lazy design. I mean, I think I, <clears throat> we're gonna talk about this other Pokemon eventually, um, Clefairy. But I think that there was kind of a bet in the Pokemon design team to design a marsupial-style Pokemon. Wait, Clefairy or? Oh, sorry. Um, Chansey. Chansey. Yeah. yeah. So I think there was a bet to describe to like design a marsupial Pokemon between like two of the designers. And one of them did this kind of like dinosaur version of a kangaroo, and the other one made Chansey. Right. <laughs> and again, I'm just angry as all hell that Chansey is the one that got stuck down our throats. Because um, I think it's not a creative design. It's not too out there a design, but it's a good dinosaurification of an animal that we know and love, if that makes sense. It's definitely a unique Pokemon. It's definitely, there are much lazier designs, right? There's like Krabby and Voltorb. Boy, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, uh, it is kind of existentially terrifying. The fact that there is a Pokemon and then there's something living inside of it in its pouch that is that a Kangaskhan? Is that what? what is the it doesn't even. And I'm going to run just straight to something I want to talk about about this Pokemon. Uh, So I hate the lore associated with it, namely the fact that it's constantly got this little baby in its pouch. Uh, All Kangaskhan are female, by the way. Uh, and so this is one of those things that's like early installment weirdness. 
where in the second generation you start to get eggs and you can hatch Pokemon. So if you hatch a Kangaskhan, there's a full-grown Kangaskhan with a Kangaskhan in its pouch that just comes out of an egg. Which, yeah. Which, like, and then, yeah, the fact that they've never retroactively made that little Kangaskhan a pre-evolution yeah. of a Kangaskhan. Well, if you have a team of six Kangaskhans, how many Pokemon do you really have? And since Pokeballs can carry uh, both the Mama and Baby Kangaskhan, does that mean that Pokeballs can carry multiple Pokemon? Or are they the same Pokemon? Because that's, that's yeah, what like, I kind of... Well, the lore firmly says that that baby can get out and walk around on its own. So it could leave, and then does it grow up, and then it becomes a new Kangaskhan? How does the, the second Kangaskhan hatch yeah. or so, you know, well, end up in the pouch? There's a fan theory, like all Cubones are Kangaskhans whose mothers... Like baby Kangaskhans whose mothers died, which still doesn't make any sense. But yeah, it's just... I like this Pokemon as a design, but everything associated with it lore-wise is completely batshit. Yeah. So, I mean, my thought on it is that I don't consider it a baby. I consider it, like, yeah, a conjoined sort of attached life form. Um, and, I mean, the one thing that this reminded me of, and this will be in the show notes, um, I don't know if you guys watched Tales from the Crypt growing up. No. Darling, you did a great Tales from the Crypt voice uh, for the Ghost Mons episode. Did you? I can't remember now if it was like Vincent Price or Crypt Creeper or Witch, but it was somewhere in there. It was something in there. You were doing the Tales from the Crypt like puns. But yeah, there's uh, there's this one terrifying story of a ventriloquist who's terrible at ventriloquism. So of all things, he still wants to be a ventriloquist. Um, but he Sounds finds... like the comedy scene right now. Pretty much. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> he, we'll come back to that. <laughs> he, um, but he finds out that his idol, who's a master ventriloquist, actually isn't very good at ventriloquism. It turns out that he, uh, that he has this little conjoined demon body that attached to his hand that this guy now takes and starts using for his ventriloquist act, and then, the, <laughs> and then the sh- it ends with it like Wait, melding onto moment. his arm. So when you say attached to his hand, like. How does the physics of this work? I just, I'm really curious about this now. It like, so at first, when the new guy that the story is about, like, finds this, like, you know, living being that's under the ventriloquist thing, he's holding it. But then after holding it through an entire hour of his show, it starts melting into his own hand. And this, and the story ends with him ripping the ventriloquist off of his own hand. You mean the dummy? Yeah, the dummy. And then you see that the little demon monster thing has like started to meld with his own hand and it just ends with terrified screams in the audiences there'll be an image to this horrifying nightmare fuel in the show notes folks but that's kind of what i picture the kangaskhan baby as being so that's why it gets out and walks around so that it doesn't like like body Uh, meld (laughs) into the pouch here's where it gets even weirder with the lore uh in later generations when they introduce the concept of the mega evolution the mega evolution for kangaskhan is Kangaskhan, the mother, is just normal, as always, but the baby is now walking around. Still a baby. It makes no sense. This Pokemon makes no sense. Have you guys talked about Mega Evolution before on the pod? Yeah, We've brought them up. Yeah. What, what, is the, what is the official stance on Mega Evolution? We don't really have an official stance yeah. on them. I think it's just something... So far, we've dealt with them as something that exists. Please state your case and what you think. No, the, I, uh, I think it's dumb. Case. I think it's stupid. <laughs> uh, I think that's like a straight ripoff of Digimon. Hmm. Uh, and they had this good thing, like you know. They yeah, because it's temporary. Yeah, it's a temporary thing. We it, it just completely whatever semblance of sanity there was 
to the Pokemon lore and to anything, any logic whatsoever, Mega Evolution just completely, mm. completely throws out the window. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, I don't know, I'm well, a purist, I they guess. They seem to be getting rid know. of that in Sword and Shield, at least, so that's good. I mean, the thing I don't like about it has always been the fact that it's like, it's one of those features that they put into a single generation of the game and then kind of never looked back on it after that generation. Which one was it? Well, they put it in Gen 6 in X and Y and uh, Omega Ruby, Alpha, Sapphire. Uh, And then they had Mega Evolution around in Sun and Moon, but they didn't really add anything to it. They just were like, hey, you can bring your Mega Evolve, like your Pokemon who can Mega Evolve into the game and... Mm -hmm. We have the Mega Stones around. So it's not like being written out of Pokemon history, but it is something that they're not going any further with. And that's yeah, kind of where... With Sword and Shield, they're apparently like not having that feature at all. So, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, which I'm okay with that because it is very Digimon. You're right. Yeah, I mean, the feature I wish they'd kept up is doing regional variants like they oh, introduced yeah. in Sun and Moon. That's the big one that I thought was like, hey, here's an idea that you probably should have had a few years sooner, but keep doing this. I want to see Galar region like european style takes on some pokemon that we've already seen before is that confirmed that they're not doing that not confirmed yet that they're not doing it so far we've only seen new pokemon premiered there was that like whipped cream pokemon i don't know if you saw it yeah 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 and it becomes a cake yeah there's a very not safe for work uh tweet that i'll link to in the show notes that darling (laughs) hates (laughs) it's a cum pokemon is what the tweet claims Uh, it is cream though cream I'm surprised they don't have a cum Pokemon yet. So yeah, comedian. This is an RPG for children. Yeah, <laughs> comedian well, and rapper Zachary Fox said, "Finally, representation: a cum Pokemon." <laughs> <laughs> but okay, getting back to the uh, Pokemon of the day, Kangaskhan. Kangaskhan. Um, hey, yeah. that's a funny name. Yeah, darling, you're the history buff between us. <laughs> Kangaskhan, which is named after Genghis Khan for no goddamn clear reason. But what's hilarious? Here's a fun fact for you. If you're listening, there's a good chance you were related to Genghis Khan, because he and his descendants fucked a lot. Uh, Genghis had at least 10 children. His son, Jochi, had at least 14 sons, while his grandson, Kubla, had 22 legitimate sons. Geneticists have found that 8% of all men living in the former Mongolian Empire carry a similar Y chromosome to Genghis, while approximately 0.5% of the worldwide male population is also likely to have a similar Y chromosome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those statistics that you just mentioned in terms of how many people are probably related in the world to Genghis Khan probably relate back to what you were talking about, the L.A. comedy scene, which is that (laughs) that percentage of I think those percentages are paralleled by how many people in L.A. are trying to make it in the comedy scene out here. Wait, so are you saying (laughs) walk me through this one more time? So we're talking about did Baloo segue. So we're talking about eight percent of the L.A. population. It feels like is at any given time trying to make it as a comedy actor or stand-up comedian. I, I think that's probably fair. And eight percent of the population is also related to Genghis Khan. Yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, through some. Well, eight percent of, of the former Mongolian Empire. Okay. Point five percent of men worldwide. I mean, which group do you think is funnier? Ooh. The eight percent of Angelinos trying to do comedy, or the eight percent of Mongolian, well, former. Mongolian I'm gonna say eight percent of any other population. Yeah, I, <laughs> okay. I think yeah. that's right. I think because they're not trying. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a uh, one of the greatest truths I ever heard in life. I think that somebody told me this when I was a teenager, and I don't. I don't. It's one of those quotes that's been heard a lot. But you know, do you tell jokes because you're trying to make people laugh, or do you tell jokes because you want people to think you're funny? And I feel like of that eight percent of the population, most of them are telling jokes because they want people to think they're funny. But the truly funny people that you ever meet in life are the ones that are just trying to make you laugh. So, uh-huh. But, I mean, it's a purest sort of, like, zen mentality about the whole thing. Dan, you're the expert here. Dan, for the record, is a cracked writer. 
Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> that's uh, I am I am a writer on Cracked. Uh, I don't know if that necessarily means I'm an expert on comedy. Uh, well, if you are part of the LA population who's doing comedy and also related to Genghis Khan, please come on the pod. Yeah, that's true. So if there's eight percent of the population that's funny and eight percent of the population that's about point five that's related to Genghis or point five percent that's related. So what percentage is funny and related to, or is doing trying to do comedy and related to Genghis Khan? I mean, I feel like we're going to have better luck if we check, like, the Southeast Asian comedy scene. Okay. Let's see Just what the Mongolian comedy scene is like. I would love to see that yeah. comedy scene. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you're listening They're to this and you want to come on the show to rep the, uh, to rep the Southeast Asian comedy scene in L.A., please get in touch with us. That would be awesome, actually. Like, no joke there. Um, All right, no, go ahead. I'm, I'm a cracked writer. Ask oh, me yeah, about uh, my expertise on, on humor. What, what was the question? So the question is, how many people are actually funny? do you think in the comedy scene give us your breakdown of the LA comedy give scene. us names you? all right I'll tell you everyone because <laughs> I mean <laughs> I'll just do go you... through a list no I you know what I think I, I actually I kind of like what you said about um trying to be funny versus trying to make people laugh I mm -hmm. think a lot of people a lot of the time they they hear something funny and it becomes you know it, it's it's shorthand for them they're going to do a mm -hmm. bit and they're just going to refer to this joke from the 70s and that's what happens is that there's mm. a joke that lands in the 70s and then the unfunny people do it in the 80s and the unfunny people do it in the 90s because they heard it be funny in the 80s and now it's 2019 and people are still doing vaudevillian bits you know mm -hmm. just because they're the percentage of the population that never figured out like oh i should make my own jokes mm -hmm. not copy other people mm. so i think yeah i think a sign that someone is just trying to be famous just trying to make it for the sake of having other people think think they're funny is someone who is resorting to taking a lot of jokes mm -hmm. and i think that happens a lot yeah i was at a dinner once with a bunch of comedians and i wound up sitting next to an impressionist oh my which, yeah like i think there are a lot of comedians who you can just start riffing with and it's all good but with people who have decided that they're going to be an impressionist and impressionist only it's like, okay, so you want me to meet you on your level of you're doing Trump now, you're doing, okay, you're doing a Reagan bit? Why? Like, oh, my God. It's so awkward when someone starts doing an impression and you just have to sit through it and just watch them do it and mm. and clap afterwards. I'm not really sure what you're supposed and then to you do. Have kind of the, uh, and then you have the, you know, standard platitudes of just like, oh, that's so spot on. And yeah. you have to, like, drop all those. Yeah. I mean – I'm yeah. thinking of this one story that This American Life did recently on that French comedian that came to America and the fact that he was trying to make his material that had killed for him in France huh. translate now in English to American audiences. Was he? I think he did like a thing with Jerry Seinfeld or something. Yeah, that, think, that guy? Yeah. yeah, he has a Netflix special, I think, or Hulu yeah. or something. Yeah, and but I mean, in the This American Life story, he was talking about how he was doing vocal coaching and stuff like that to get to really nail delivery of his bits. And you know, I forget which one of the uh, comedians that was giving him advice. Um, gave him the advice finally like you need to speak about your life like you know it's you're just trying to ape other american comedians mm. right now but it's fun the funniest part of your bit right now is when you're talking about your experience as a french comedian coming here to america and you spend 20 seconds in your 10 minute bit on that mm. and yeah so i mean that just kind of speaks back so speaking of impressionists we can move on to a pokemon that is impersonating a very real creature both in name and in form well, that was a killer segue thank you darling <laughs> Please cue us up for Horsey. Uh, Horsey is a water type that you first encounter by basically fishing anywhere between Pallet Town and Fuchsia City with a super rod. Amusingly, in red, you can encounter it by surfing in the Seafoam Islands, but not in blue. 
So I'm going to apologize up front if this is actually the shortest episode we record that isn't a bonus because we have some a run of some really uninspired Pokemon coming up. Yeah, water types everywhere and not a drop to drink. And I mean, this may even take the cake from Krabby that at least changed a letter. This just <laughs> rearranged letters that are already in the <laughs> existing creature's name. Seahorse, horsey. No difference whatsoever. Just the order. Well, it's down an S and an E. Okay, fine. Efficiency. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a cute pun. It's a cute no, pun. it's not. Coughing is a cute pun. <laughs> you literally put in the notes, uh, <clears throat> this one is top running for laziest Gen 1 design, even compared to Krabby. They literally just flipped the name of a seahorse around into an admittedly clever portmanteau. I love that you impersonate my voice and make me sound so strong and so <laughs> confident. I was going for like the Dave Chappelle white man voice, even though you are Trinidadian. <laughs> I'm like the one non-white person in this room, too. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. I so... love that all your impressions are of a white person. Just <laughs> otherwise, no it's, who they are. otherwise, it's offensive. <laughs> right. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Uh, I had you want to do hear the... my Denzel Washington? It yeah. sounds like this. Hello, I'm Denzel Washington. No, that's that's a spot on Denzel. When we brought up Jimmy Walker on a past episode, I was the one that had to do the dynamite. <laughs> Even though I can't do a very good one. Um, but yeah, I, speaking of the uninspired design, the, poke, the Pokedex oh straight up calls it <laughs> <Yeah>. seahorse-like. <laughs> to which I say, fuck right off. <laughs> it is not seahorse-like. It is literally a seahorse. You know, it's, it's weird because on, on the lists, I never really... Like, you always go to Krabby, Voltorb... Uh, I mean, there's a ton seal. That's there's there's actually oh god, a seals ton the worst. That are just straight ripoffs. But I never really gave Horsey so much shit. Maybe that's a personal thing. I think Horsey has cuteness at least. Yeah, like, no, there's a personality to yeah. Horsey. Plus, Misty had it for about forty episodes in the show, so at least you were like, hey, it's Horsey. Horsey also had like a cool move set. It was all like bubble based. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Which is kind of an interesting choice i think for you know it's like it adds to the whimsical nature of it i don't know and then it evolves to cedra and that's cool like nah i i, I feel I'm, I'm defending horsey i'm staking my claim okay. i mean i'll give this one credit of like you know i've talked about other pokemon that feel like their designs kind of bleed into other um properties that we know and this definitely feels like it belongs in like a disney song and dance number in little mermaid oh yeah totally right, right. um like i can totally see it like backing up little sebastian on uh, just sebastian little just sebastian, sebastian is parks and rec that's right sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> i'm challenging myself not to reference any old nbc sitcoms this episode i will however get back to form with referencing batman somehow today give me time good oh that's a warning that's yep. a threat. People come for the Batman references on the Pokemon podcast. Somehow, I've actually fallen off of them of late, but uh, rather we than... Went, I mean, we did go through a whole bit about ventriloquists and never bring up one of my favorite stupid Batman villains, the ventriloquist. Scarface. Yeah. Um, yeah, that they called that dummy Scarface. Yes. There was, uh, you know, the Batman, you the know animated... this one? I do know this one yeah. from the animated series. Yeah. 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 And from the comics, too. Yeah. Well, I think like... that was that was one of the uh, creations uh, of the animated series, No, it goes back to the it? 70s. Oh, it does? Yeah. Okay. Or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, that's a comics original. I definitely saw it from the animated series. Yes. And that was that was truly a, a scarring villain. That, that mm. was yeah. horrifying. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the ventriloquist and Scarface, the premise in the Batman lore is that there's a killer ventriloquist. However... 
because all of Batman's villains are mental patients, he doesn't actually want to do any of the killing. It's his dummy, who is an Al Capone lookalike, that is controlling him, basically. Yeah, it's a much more... It's a much more milk toast version of like the two face split personality, where instead of like a DA who's been wronged by the world, it's just this very milk toast man who's looking for an outlet for his uh, aggressions. Yeah, it's very much like he'll be going, but Scarface, I don't want to do it. Let's cram it, dummy. Yeah, I was almost gonna call him like incel problematic, but that's more of the Mad mm. Hatter. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. We how <laughs> walk <laughs> me through this? How is uh? <laughs> How is the mad uh, how is the mad hatter incel problematic? I mean, he straight up like starts inventing the mind control technology because he has a woman that he's in love with, named Alice, of course. Named Alice mm-hmm. that he's obsessed with that he wants to invent like that he invents the mind control technology to make her love him. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's 100% the lore. I mean, at he, least from the TV show, but yeah, yeah. still. Yeah. Like, and then yeah. they ended the episode by saying uh this is problematic, everyone. You don't want to follow this guy. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, because you get beat up by the Batman. Yeah. Yeah. So here we go down the Batman spiral. Did you play any of the Batman Arkham games? I didn't. So the Batman Arkham but I've games. Seen it, like, the Batman games. Arkham games did distance themselves from that aspect of the Mad Hatter lore, where he talks about Alice and everything like that. But Alice is more of like a uh, a illusory. Quinn. Well, no, it's or... more of an illusory idea rather than a specific woman because he's oh. because the Mad Hatter in the games is constantly trying to take over Batman and make Batman his prize and slave. Um, only in the kind of uh, ignored Batman they, Arkham they Origins did installment. In, they did that in the show also as well. Like eventually, the yeah. first episode was about Alice, but then afterwards he was just finding other ways to just mind control people for his own ill-gotten gains. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> it's like, well, you know, I invented this mind control device. I might as well use it. Yeah. But yeah, um, let's get back to Horsey, because oh, I've yeah. had my Batman spiral. I delivered on that. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Let's talk about this Pokemon subtype a little bit, because I have issues with it. I mean, we've <laughs> talked about subtyping problems before. The subtype is kind of an arbitrary thing. Unless you name an actual type of Pokemon in, my, in this case, it's Dragon. Horsey is a subtype dragon yeah. Pokemon. If it was like the seahorse Pokemon, we would not be having this discussion. Yeah. But if you name it the dragon Pokemon and then you don't make its type dragon, what like what does that mean? I see. I see. Yeah. So the subtype is like when you open the Pokedex entry on your Game Boy and you see like subtype. Right, right, right. Pokemon or whatever. Right. And that's purely though, that's, you know, it has no effect in game. It's just yeah. strictly lore. Yeah. It's flavor. Right. Yeah. Well, in Japanese mythology, seahorses can turn into dragons after a century. Uh, and are in fact sometimes referred to as Tatsu no Otoshigo, or illegitimate child of a dragon. And you know, its Japanese name is Tatu, uh, which is of course a reference to Tatsu no Otoshigo. Uh, yeah. And then eventually, not in this generation, but in Gen 2, it will evolve into a proper water slash dragon type. So we, so Darling did point out in the notes that it eats insects and. This is where he oh, and no. I are... It doesn't just eat them. It shoots them down with water or ink. Mm-hmm. So he, As one does, right? So he's insist, he insisted in the notes that this means it eats what we know as insects rather than bug Pokemon. However, I would like to invite you all to imagine with me a one-foot-tall little seahorse shooting down a two-foot-tall Venonat that we've previously discussed, (laughs) (laughs) and then expanding that little garden hose mouth to slowly consume that Venonat underwater. (laughs) 
today's just my day of like horror imagery from the ventriloquist and now little oh, horsey. Oh. No, Pokemon's horrifying. It's true. Like it's you know, if you take a second to think about any of the implications, it's it's a nightmare. You know the implications. Speaking of, it's always sunny though. Mm-hmm. That brings me to one of my favorite scenes when Frank comes in dressed as a man cheetah. And let me tell you, folks, we are recording this on July eighteenth, twenty nineteen. Also known as the day that the trailer for the Cats movie dropped. Baloo, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Anyone? Whoa. Anyone I haven't out seen there? it yet. I haven't <laughs> seen the trailer, no. Oh, it is magically horrible. Imagine, if you will, many beloved actors and also Taylor Swift <laughs> transformed into CGI cats with human faces. And they're all somehow tinier than any cat has ever been in real life. It's terrible, and I cannot wait for this thing to come out. It's horrifying. It's like David Cronenberg decided to make a Cats movie. That actually sounds awesome. I, I like. It's not that horrifying, unfortunately. Yeah, no. Based on the pictures, it, it's like David Cronenberg sold out and tried <laughs> to make a Cats movie, and succeeded by getting a bunch of stars, and uh, you know, we'll just slowly descend into just remakes of plays that are horrible. <laughs> I mean. I definitely was uncomfortable with some of the still images I saw of the live-action Pokemon from Detective Pikachu, but they turned out well. So let me just say that I'm giving the CGI teams the benefit of the doubt here, but to say that the still images I've seen, I have not yet watched the actual trailer, but the still images I've seen look like somebody used like an iPhone app to impose faces on oh, a Oh, buddy, wait until you see those faces in motion. It's terrifying. <sighs> All right. I love it. All right, let's talk about a terrifying thing in motion. Kevin, if you're listening, I know you're loving this bit. Hey, Kevin, tell us about Cedra. <laughs> Just get us out of here. <laughs> Cedra, yeah. Um, it's Horsey's evolution. Uh, I like it in a way. Like, it's got those jagged edges that I feel like would be cool uh, as the figurehead of a boat or like a brass relief you'd see on some guy's yacht. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have a whole lot to say about this one, except that I think they had an opportunity to redeem the boring horsey design, which, again, I'll admit is cute, but it's just not inventive or creative in any kind of way, and they just kind of punted on it. They just made it spikier as opposed to bubblier and rounder. Seizure is pretty disappointing, because it is it is your first uh, entry point into dragon-type, right? Like, uh, no, because it's still pure water. Like, it doesn't become water-dragon-type. Yeah, dragon dragon yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. But, all right, but it does learn... I don't know if it in, in Gen 1. It does learn dragon moves. It learns dragon rage. It learns twister, but I think that happens later. So it does have like a bit of a dragon flavor. Like you get to use dragon moves with this water type. They're very much building it to get to that stage. Right. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, it is It is like a big, it's a dragon tease because it's, it's, it's very lame looking uh, and it's not fully typed. And I, don't I know, mean, I like I like sucks. the term dragon tease. I wish we'd had you around for when we did the Gen One starters with Charizard, because <laughs> that was just the ultimate dragon tease. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, would we like this Pokemon more if it were Water Dragon? Yeah, I actually think so. Yeah, absolutely. Dragon's um, cool. Like, I think it would make a lot more sense. Um, and we're gonna have some other dual typings to discuss today that also infuriate me. But this one not having the dual type just doesn't make any sense and it also does kind of look a little bit more dragon-like yeah. um but they do redeem it with the third evolution but how many years will it be until we get there oh that's for next year buddy that's gen 2 oh really yeah okay well we can see that right now hey but congratulations. it's really hard to evolve it you need uh you need a trade yeah you need, you need king's rock i think uh no you need the dragon scale which is an oh, item you scale. only need for this basically 
Yeah. And you need to trade it. Yeah, so you have to have it holding the dragon scale while it's traded, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So you need to make friends. Uh -huh. You need to get one of those link cables. Mm. I'm already out at the first step. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's it's completely untenable for... You need for... to find the item in-game. Right. Yeah. It's shiny cool, though. Cedrus. Uh, it's got uh, kind of a darker blue with red tinges. Very Captain America. Yeah, I was thinking of uh, those, like, America Rocket, like, popsicles. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, like the rocket. Yeah, the red, white, and blue rocket rockets. Pops. Yeah, exactly. The thing that you just described. Yeah. What was your uh, What were your guys' popsicle of choice growing up? We've got some time here. Cedra's pretty easy to get through. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I'm trying to remember all the. There was the, the Sonic the Hedgehog one, right? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So my so my shit after getting out of school from the ice cream van. If it was an ice cream van situation, the wrestler pop, the WWF like cake and like chocolate back. Do you guys remember these? No, I. Those were like the Mac Daddy like because wow. they were the most expensive also. But that like kind of flaky cookie crust on one side, the vanilla ice cream in the middle, and then like chocolate back. And See, you were like, Mom, I'm worth it. It was like I only got those if I'd had a really good week at school. Right. Yeah, like, my mom would only rarely let us. We get like mcdonald's every saturday but she'd rarely let us get the ice cream from the ice cream man yeah generally like the everyday kind of ice cream treat was like you know those bs screwball cups i don't know if you guys remember this it was like this like pink sort of like icy thing that you scooped out with like the wooden tongue depressor yeah, and there was like a bubble gum thing inside yeah. of there and you know yeah. beggars can't be choosers no, I was a real brat. yeah <laughs> see my grandmother always stocked popsicles at her house for myself and my brother and the one I always loved with the creamsicle. Oh, Where it's yeah. like orange on the outside and then cream on the inside. Yeah. Those are the shit. Oh, and toasted almond. That was really good. Wait, what? Yeah, toasted yeah that's almond? a thing, right? Yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. It was like in that family of like the uh, chocolate. You had like the chocolate eclair with like the little like cakey thing on the outside. Yeah. Chocolate eclair, strawberry shortcake, oh, and toasted almond. Oh, the good almond. humor stuff. Yeah. Right, right, like right. I love the. Those weren't shaped like anything. Yeah. The strawberry shortcake good humor. <laughs> That's yeah. those are popsicles favorites. for adults. <laughs> those are those are those are serious God. people. Those are straight up rich people popsicles. Oh, I, I went to somebody's the... house and saw those in their fridge. I was like, "Oh, you're doing well." <laughs> I was at the supermarket like sometime last year when they had Good Humor strawberry shortcake Oreos. So imagine if you will, like the vanilla Oreo cookie with like strawberry shortcake bits on top and then white and pink like kind of Strawberry cream frosting. Mm. Yeah. They were limited edition, so unfortunately, I don't think the product I'm plugging right now is still in production. Well, Lottie frickin' da. <laughs> there are too many Oreos these days. That's all I gotta say. Well, yeah. if you're listening, Good Humor or whatever company makes that, uh, I assume you guys uh, are looking for a sponsor, possibly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, why not? Yeah, well, here's your chance. There you go. Yeah. We will plug we don't the need shit out of these. We don't need Casper. But we will go in on good humor. <laughs> but also me undies and Casper, if you're listening, we're interested. So <laughs> I'm looking for that blue apron money. Oh um, but yeah, so let's move on from popsicles to fish. Blue, do you like water types? Yes, I do. Good, because here's another one. Uh Goldeen. It's a water type, as I said, and you basically can find it anywhere if you have a good rod. Like if you find water and you have a good rod, you can find this thing. Yeah, I mean we're de we're dealing with a run of like pretty run of the mill water Pokemon today. Staryu's cool. Staryu's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I'll say this edges out. I said Horsey was probably the laziest design we're talking about today because this has a horn. <laughs> you know least. what I say? Nay. Dan, please save us. <laughs> uh, I think Goldeen is really interesting because it learned Peck, which was a flying type move. Oh yeah. And I always was really confused by that because Goldeen also had 
these very big lips. And I always imagined when he was using Peck that he was kissing you. Huh. <laughs> you thought it was that kind of Peck. I, I could never really reconcile what the hell was going on every time I had my Goldeen use Peck. That I is think very it was, true. He was just sexually assaulting the other Pokemon and giving it damage. But Ouch. maybe it was like a horn. Th- I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what the Peck was going on. Yeah, I think. You know, it's weird because I'd always thought like, oh, Peck, it's, you know, doing like a woodpecker thing with the horn. But now that you mention it, yeah, that is probably the most likely thing, especially since the lips are an extremely prominent feature on that fish. Well, here's the thing. It's not the Pokemon that has the biggest lips in terms of fish, because there is that Pokemon in Gen 7 whose name escapes me right. No, no, this is one that has, uh, it's a water slash psychic type. Uh, It's... A fish, and I'm pulling up its name and its face. Bruxish. Bruxish, which is just incredibly insane looking. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's got the big lips. It's got all sorts of colors. It's got giant teeth. Hmm. It is terrifying. But we'll get to that in four years or so. Guys, fish don't have lips, right? Do they have lips? So here's the thing, and I was just about, like, you you. you, you you're in the same line I wanted to go down, which is fish mouths are terrifyingly human when you start to examine them enough. Really? Yeah. Fish, fish starfish. Yeah, there's like a starfish with like a straight up human mouth and teeth. Um, Now, we've talked about catfish previously on this show. The sheep shed fish. And that's why catfish are so, that's why catfish are so uniquely terrifying because they basically have like a PVC pipe lined with like reverse Velcro to pull your arm in. We were talking about noodling with uh, previous guest Alex Cresswick, um, but, Ooh. So but I just showed him the me. sheep shed fish, which we'll include an image of in the show notes, and it's just frightening. But yeah, it's a lot of teeth. fish. If you go to fish markets and stuff like that, like it's one of those things that you don't usually pause to take a look at unless you're it, like even if you're buying fish to cook yourself, buying them fresh. Yeah, I've gone fishing with my dad a few times and everything like that. And just when you really are taking the hook out of a fish's mouth and you get to examine that situation going on there, it's uh, <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> oh, my God. This, this, this may be one of the reasons why I found it relatively easy uh, to decide to go vegetarian <laughs> a little while ago. But, um, but, yeah, fish have surprisingly humanoid mouths. Yeah. Um, so Goldine with her terrifying lady lips. Yeah. Not yeah. too far from real world. Uh, there might have been a po- there might have been somebody on the Pokemon team that went to the fish market and took a good look at some actual like <laughs> tuna that were laying out there or something <laughs> like that. Uh, you know, Misty had one of these in the show, which was pretty useless on land. Which brings us to its role in Smash Brothers, where if you pick up a Pokeball, you throw it, and a Goldine pops out, it just bounces around, flopping uselessly for a few seconds. Can I talk about this? Because this is something I've always wanted to know about water Pokemon. Mm-hmm. That the anime kind of addresses in that way, but the games never do. Mm-hmm. Is that when a lot of water Pokemon battle in game, if they're not in water, they just kind of float psychically. Yep. Yeah. Do we have a stance? Do we have an official pod stance on what's going on with that? Yeah, I don't understand it. <laughs> I think that's I. <laughs> it's I mean, yeah, there's is, some physics I don't try to understand. I mean, this is one of those things that, like, and this is a show that was guilty of, like, some crazy deus ex machina, like, bullshit. But, like, <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! did a great job of, like, incorporating terrain and other influences into, like, its battling. I don't know if you guys ever watched that show, but it was a 
God, that was just. I'm a, not a nerd, Baloo. I'm not even going <laughs> to try to describe the premise of that show, but it did involve battling of monsters, but they took into account terrain and environmental surroundings and things like that. And also, cards? Were cards part of the yeah, show? Yeah, and really rather it. than actual monsters, they were using cards that were holographically projected and created in a space. But that space did take into account surrounding terrain and things like that. Um, it was really weird at some point. <laughs> Did you really not watch Yu-Gi-Oh? No. Because it was in the lineup for so how I watch Pokemon oh, yeah. in the anime, it was the show right after Pokemon. It was the friends to Pokemon Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. It was the friends <laughs> to Pokemon Seinfeld. That's right. Did Yu-Gi-Oh rip off Living Single as well? <laughs> it ripped off. It, probably. <laughs> it ripped off Digimon the same way Pokemon wow. got ripped off by Digimon. So it's a copy of a copy of a copy. God, Abby Denton's going to hate me for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually listening to that song by Nine Inch Nails earlier, come to think of it. Huh. Yeah, great song. Copy of a copy. I'll link to it in the oh, show Oh, I notes. thought you meant the Nine Inch Nails version of the Yu-Gi-Oh theme song. I wish there that were that. Rule. <laughs> yeah. you... Well, the Yu-Gi-Oh theme song, it was just a heavy metal, like baseline like it was just done you know nah. that was all it was yeah. <laughs> wow so yeah i'd like to see nine inch nails record a version of that um what i have been looking for and been calling out for is actually the miley cyrus version of a nine inch nail song i don't know if you guys have kept up with black mirror but uh the miley cyrus episode has her finishing up her episode doing a cover of head like a hole Oh, wow. And it's actually a really solid cover. Huh. They released her fake pop star character's song from the show, which is like this weird positive like bubblegum version with like positive lyrics to Head Like a Hole. Check it out. Oh, it's a great weird. episode. Okay. It's very yeah, weird. Nine Inch Nails, apparently Trent Reznor okayed it. Um, well, I feel like he would have to. Like, but then doing a full length parody like that. But. Yeah. So they released it. So they released the positive version. But I'm, I want them to release the Miley Cyrus cover of Head Like a Hole because mm. it actually fucking rocks. Huh. Um, anyway, I don't even need to link to that in the show notes. You guys have probably already watched that episode. So just if you haven't watched it, watch it. Mm. Um, but while we're on the subject of TV shows, I do want to say I brought this up in the notes that Goldeen kind of reminds me of just like the epidemic of crossover uh, kind of spinoff shows that were really epidemic back in like the 90s and 2000s where you just take something like a goldfish and just do like a quick like premise shift to it, like add a horn and now it's a Pokemon. Um, this made me think of all things of NBC's Joey since we just re- re- referenced Friends. Remember how you weren't going to bring up NBC shows of yore? That was a fake out <laughs> where it was just, here's this character for friends plus LA <laughs> and with none of the people you like from the show. So I, 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 yeah. I got to interject on this really quick. I'm so sorry. No. What do you think it means that you're constantly, because I didn't know this uh, in, in your personal lore blue, but what do you think this means that you're constantly bringing up NBC shows? I think I'm trying to return, harken back to a simpler, more innocent time where I thought the world made sense. <laughs> You're trying to make it 1997 by Science or Magic again? Yeah. And as opposed NBC, does that have particular meaning to you? I think NBC presented at least a sugar-coated version of reality where people could spend all day in a coffee shop and somehow <laughs> live in glorious apartments. <laughs> but while we're talking about what doesn't make sense about the present day, let me just sum that up with two words. Fuck Trump. There we go. Keeping that streak going. I just want to point out, this has turned into Baloo's therapy session here. I know. What does NBC mean to you? I don't really know. I actually, so here, so I'll just say this outright, actually. I used to watch Seinfeld every week with my family, even when I was like five years old when that show first started coming out. So yeah, it was just kind of like that and The Simpsons were the two shows that we all watched together. Hmm. Um, So that's why, I don't know why Fox didn't have that indelible mark on me, but 
NBC for whatever reason did, but yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, NBC's had a history of the last, like, at least, eh, I guess, nearly 40 years, like, uh, basically since Cheers, maybe Taxi even earlier, although yeah. I think Taxi was CBS. Yeah, well, anyhow, point. Like, since Cheers, for sure, they've had this identity as being, like, the one with the smart sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Because you've got that history of, like, uh, of well, Cheers, is... uh, Seinfeld, uh, Scrubs, you could mm-hmm. throw in there, uh, then into, like, the 30 Rock and Community era. Fox always felt like it changed genres, shifted genres night by night too much. Like, it would have its, like, foot, it would have NFL Mondays. It would have, like, the animation block. Uh, no, on Sundays. Monday Night Football has okay. consistently been an ABC, ESPN okay. product. But, yeah, night by night, Fox would have a very different tone of like from night to night to night whereas nbc was fairly consistently like a certain type of tone abc kind of the only night that really spoke to me was tgif and that went defunct Hmm. after a while but we all remember that theme song don't we i'm not gonna sing it don't worry oh so what i'm getting is on the buzzfeed quiz (laughs) what tv station on your pokemon podcast represent like what what that says about you nbc is that's the that's the smart person Huh. You know, if you're having if you're having a Pokemon podcast and you keep up bringing NBC, that means that you're 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 an intellectual, you're a thinker, you like a little bit of you know like a, a higher brow level of lowbrow sitcom. <laughs> Clearly, you don't follow me on Twitter because I am a total dummy. <laughs> <laughs> this BuzzFeed quiz is shit. <laughs> but speaking of Most dum- are. but speaking of dummies, this Pokemon shiny. <laughs> God, it's orange. It's, it's an just orange, orange fish. Like, that's, yeah. Uh, speaking of dummies, the Soul Silver Pokedex, this is part of one of our favorite things, where the Pokedexes make bizarre physics claims. It says that Goldeen can swim five knots per hour, which is bullshit, because a knot is already a unit of speed equal to one nautical mile per hour. <laughs> this is like saying a car is driving 60 miles per hour per hour. And like saying that you're going to the ATM machine, or saying, like, WMDs. Yeah, except for, like, one knot is equal to how far you're going in a mile. Like, mm. or, sorry, it's, um... It's already a Yeah, speed. it's a unit of speed. Like, you can't really go, like, five knots per hour because it is defined as one nautical mile per hour. It's kind of like when people say a 24-hour day. No, it's like if they said a, uh, like, 72-hour day. It's like that. This is becoming that John Mulaney bit where Ice T is just constantly doing those <laughs> similes <laughs> of like, well, like when somebody buys too many scratchy lottery tickets. <laughs> yeah, but my point being is like, this is someone saying like, yeah, today was a real forty-eight hour day. Like, no, that's not possible. I mean, it means nothing to me anyway. There's no <laughs> way a, a fish can't swim that fast. It just doesn't make sense for like in the realm of this universe. Like you have the fastest fit like it, you just wouldn't be able to hit it like it's that's not true this is less impressive than some other speeds we've already encountered two in particular that i always bring up diglet can apparently submerge its head underground like when it pokes up it can get back down apparently at the speed of light according to the pokedex mm-hmm. so it breaks relativity right <laughs> arcanine can apparently run 2600 miles in 24 hours without stopping God, who wrote, like... <laughs> 12-year-olds. So our understood show canon is that the Pokedex entries that we're reading that give these facts were written by the 12-year-olds that were sent out with Pokedexes. <laughs> That's the only explanation. Because also, like, Professor Oak doesn't know Pokemon, I'm guessing. He knows the three that he has in his lab, but otherwise, 
You don't see him going like, oh, yes, that's a Q-bone. No, yeah, Professor Oak's a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> if, it's, if that's true, which honestly, yeah, I guess it makes as much sense as anything else. Like, for his scientific, he just sent a bunch of 12-year-olds out to collect data. <laughs> they clearly falsely reported. and It's called an internship. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's how cheap he is. While we're on the subject of internships, pay your interns, people. Yeah. Come on. That's some classist bullshit not to pay interns. Yeah, I mean, the Pokedex didn't even have an entry of, like, Pidgey. And they're Pidgey right outside this fucking window, is what I keep saying. Yeah, what a, what a lazy guy. Yeah. <laughs> what a lazy dummy. Well, I think he was too busy trying to fuck Ash's mom. I, hey! think that's... I love that you're on that. That's also a podcast canon for us. <laughs> yeah, he probably wasn't even a professor. He was probably like, hey, kid, come here. I got a few Pokemon. His first name is Get pro- the fuck out of here. His first name is Professor. Uh, <laughs> and his yeah. last name is Oak. Let me tell you where I got that from. Um do you remember the episode where Ash called his mom yes. and oh, like at night and Professor Oak happened to be there? <laughs> I swear to God, Ash actually says, Professor Oak, what are you doing at my house? And Oak just barrels over it and just No like, reason. Ash. He doesn't even like say no reason. He's just like, Ash, let me give you some advice. <laughs> uh, when you're with a woman. No. Oh, He's a lot better about it than uh, Happy Hogan is in the recent Spider-Man Far From Home movie. No spoilers, but if you haven't seen it, strongly recommend if you enjoyed Homecoming. Mm. I enjoyed it. It's fun. Yeah, fun movie. Yeah. Uh, so Goldine evolves into Sea King, which I like the design of Sea King, if only because like it's a boring Pokemon, but mm-hmm. uh, it has elements of koi, fighting fish, and goldfish. And, like, the dot stripes and tail all make it one of the most detailed designs we've had so far. Like, I'm impressed that this one is on the Game Boy. It's Otherwise, I have nothing to say about it. It's pretty, but it's uninteresting. Oh, yeah. I don't know how else to say it. But, Dan? I mean, guys, here's the thing. You know, the the beauty of these Pokemon is that you, you need these guys. You know, you need these fish copies and... Uh, seahorse copies to to make the charizards look really cool you know if everyone was a charizard then it would just it would be hack but you need these shit pokemon (laughs) for some like you know just they're fodder you just need to show up and just blast them out of the water literally in this case literally in this case with your cool looking Pokemon so that you can, you know, like, so you can have some variety, like, so they can stand out. You need to have some people on the sidewalk to cheer the parade as it goes down the street. Yeah. Not all of us can be CEOs, you know? Not all, if this is, uh, we can't all be, we all, can't all make it in Hollywood, we can't all be the Charizard, you need some Sea Kings. You hear that? 7.5% of you in LA that are trying to make it in comedy? Get off the stage and get in the audience. Start <laughs> applauding the people that are really putting in the work. Mm. Yeah. But, Do we have anything we want to say about Sea King? I mean, the one thing I'll say is that I basically liken this after reading a little bit on the ecology about how it swims upstream, according to the Pokemon lore. It just immediately made me think of salmon, um, in which case I'm a big fan of sushi. Even uh, you know, even though I've gone vegetarian this year, I still plan on doing my annual birthday sushi dinner. Good lord. Um, and you know, while we're on the subject of sushi, I'm just going to recommend two bits of sushi media. Um, one of them is uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi, which is a big documentary that was made all the rounds on Netflix. If you haven't That's seen it. it yet, though, yeah, check it out. Um, but another thing, because we recently passed by the anniversary of his passing, Anthony Bourdain actually penned a or helped write a pair of graphic novels called Get Jiro, um, which is just this great, like, I don't know how to describe it except for like future quasi cyberpunk dystopic like story about like a sushi chef in like a food wasteland where like all food and cuisine has been dominated by like these super snobby 
like conglomerates. Hmm. Um, Unrelated to the Jiro who dreams of sushi. Yeah, it's very interesting. I wonder if I don't know for sure, but I wonder if he didn't name the Jiro of his graphic novels after that particular. I chef. bet he did. Like, I feel like that's too specific a reference not to. It might be, but yeah. Um, look it up. It's great, and it just says a lot about like it reflects a lot of Bourdain's great, like very humanistic philosophy mm-hmm. on like the spirit behind food and how it brings us together and what it represents in terms of culture humanity and things like that so that's my other plug for the show if i can recommend anything um but otherwise i got nothing else to say about this fish except that it made me think of that moving on next is star you guess what type it is it's water and you first encounter it in the seafoam islands okay i mean right out the gate i'm gonna give this one props of having a really interesting shiny I love the fact that it turns white. Like, it's already... I already say, this is a pretty cool Pokemon. Like, you took a starfish. Like, yes, you're taking a real-world creature, but they're putting a very interesting spin on it with, like, the jewel oh, yeah. design, which I thought was pretty cool. I um, also like that it's all hard and angular. Because you could very easily have just done cute little starfish with a face and a mouth and call it a day, but they went the extra mile. Yeah, that's true. You know, I, I never really I never really considered it, but... Uh... With all these other water types that were so lazy, like it, it does kind of make you feel a little cheap in that, like yeah. Star used this like armored, jeweled, psychic starfish that you know you could have made seal a armored psychic seal. You know, I guess like yeah. that's what slowpoke is. I don't know, but like yeah, but you could have done something to the design other than just adding a horn. Is yeah. all we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> just throw that's that's must have been what happened. Is it like they were like. They had 120 Pokemon, and then, like, some executive came in. He's mm-hmm. like, guys, you know what? Fuck it. We need 30 more. And like, oh, <laughs> it's coming out tomorrow. Uh, what are we going to do? Just, just fucking throw a horn on everything. <laughs> that's, that's why we have Seal. That's why we have Goldeen. That's why we have Sea King. Like, even um, even uh, Ponyta, like, I feel like had more interesting flourish than the other water types we've talked about by at least having its mane and hair turned into fire. Yeah. Like, that is a cooler, like, uh, type reflective flourish. I think that's the thing, is, like, with that, where you're taking existing animal but adding element, mm-hmm. you can go a little wild. But if you're going, like, here's a fish, it's a water type, it's a fish, <laughs> like, yeah, you can't do much other than what you just did. So, yeah, Star You, I love it. It's so weird looking in the best ways. But before you go on, can you put your tinfoil hat on and tell us about the uh, little potential lore that might be associated with this? Aliens. Uh, <laughs> yeah, lots of lore specifically says that they could be this uh, star you and also its evolution star me could be from space communicating with the stars via the red crystal or being stars that fell into the sea. And just uh, adding to what Blue is saying about the shiny, the... Shiny Staryu, its crystal goes from red to blue, and it just looks great. God, these 12-year-olds who make up this bullshit when they go catch these poke that's that's pretty creative. Yeah. Do you remember on the show the whole episode with Clefairy, where they, like, came from space? Those are definitely from space. Yeah. I mean, there's... I mean, I think I've brought this up on the show, but there was, like, some... It's not a hard and fast actual biological theory, but it is something that has been floated just to point out how weird the octopi's evolution is. So, like, octopus are so unique in terms of, like, their genetic makeup, their biology, and all that stuff, that they clearly evolved down such a different path from every other creature on Earth that people are saying they might as well be aliens. Hmm. Hmm. 
So I wonder if that isn't the case with Staryu and Starmie, kind of reflecting that more in this universe. Um, that they are so weirdly unique as far as, like, that jewel, that telepathy and things like that. If it isn't more of a hearkening back to Octopi, then... Because do we have more of a octopus type of... Coming up, we've got Octillery in Gen 2. Okay, yeah. Yeah, there's Octillery, and Octillery is, like... Uh... Nah, it's Staryu's is infinitely more interesting, I think, yeah. you know? Octillery looks like an octopus, like a more cartoony octopus, whereas uh, Staryu and Starmie are weird ass starfishes mm-hmm. i and guess you've got like tentacle you know like that's a squid but well, i don't know if that it's falls like a, in the... a squid jellyfish like it's a weird combo and i think that's what makes it work oh yeah i guess it's more yeah no yeah it's a squid jellyfish. and it Very also weird. has jewels in its head too i wonder what that's about yeah like why particular water types especially like the kind of invertebrate water types get jewels yeah so yeah um but we have yeah, another so injustice bring it to, to starmy so when it evolves with a water stone, uh, it becomes water and psychic, which is a groovy typing that we've seen before with uh, the Slowpoke line. But you know where we haven't seen it? Psyduck. <sighs> so for some reason, there are a number of water Pokemon that, for whatever reason, have a psychic dual type, but Psyduck does not. Weird. Yeah. So I, I take it now that that's a common theme is uh, typing, like when when you guys are, are out to correct all the typing injustice. Well, I mean, we just call it out as like a weird thing with the de- like design versus lore. And I mean, naming being part of a design, like mm. this Pokemon is named Psyduck. The lore has it that like, hey, it has a headache because of its latent psychic abilities making its head hurt, but right. it doesn't have a psychic type. Should be an easy, yeah. you know, just put it in that psychic water. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about design, not just from an appearance and aesthetic standpoint, right. but also from like a uh, overall world building and lore building standpoint as well. Golduck is also strict water, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He but can learn like, psychic moves, yeah. but yeah, but again, straight water. It's so weird because like the Dexes, which as we've said, are written by 12-year-olds, specifically say that they have psychic abilities, despite the typing suggesting otherwise. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, so when we have a Pokemon like this that has no design flourishes necessarily that immediately implies psychic abilities, there's nothing about its lore that needs to demand psychic typing, but then it gets it, even though this other Pokemon, Psyduck, that has in its name, in its lore, in its design aspects of psychic abilities but it doesn't have a psychic typing. Like, it just seems weirdly at odds. Very strange. I feel like the yeah. psychic here has to do with the whole, like, cosmic jewel thing. But otherwise... Like, the fact that it's got an infinity stone in its belly. Cosmic jewel. I like that. Thank you. But yeah, so the so the other thing I pointed out is that Miss is... Uh, well, Misty had both a Staryu and a Starmie. Right. Um, which, because this requires a water stone thing, this is an interesting, like, lore-consistent thing that I'm going to impose on the Pokemon story, which is that... I think Misty couldn't afford a water stone because she was saving up to replace her bicycle that Ash ruined. <laughs> mm-hmm. So otherwise, she would have had a pair of Starmie. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. I feel like she kind of dug the variety. You know, like she she liked having. But if you think about it, you know, they some trainers name their Pokemon, mm-hmm. right? But for whatever you know, sick psychopathic reason. Uh, Ash and Misty and Bro- they all just called their Pokemon by their by their you know the the Pokemon's name species. Like the, the species. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So if she had a Star You and a Star Me, like if she had a Star Me and a Star Me, she wouldn't be able to tell them apart. Good point. <laughs> so uh, maybe it was just keeping things straight, you know, just strict accounting. So we've brought this up before on the show. 
Do you play Pokemon Go? I did in the in the month where it was cool. Okay. <laughs> well, are you a Pokemon nicknamer? Yeah, no, I will. Only through only for Pokemon Go. Like when I played uh the the Game Boy games, I I did it strictly not because I also am a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just to backpedal a little bit. I mean, we have a recurring thing that I call out on the show called Ash being a dummy. Right. Um which this week didn't really have any of which that. Which this week kind of like tangential to Dan's point like Ash being a dummy and not nicknaming his Pokemon but Misty also being a dummy like him that's why they're you know the Ross and Rachel of the show they're both dummies um, they you know I also am a dummy I fully admit this um, I don't nickname my Pokemon I had like five Geodudes named Geodude hmm. like, I was not very good at that sort of thing well it would, it would be very time consuming you know like th- there's certain Pokemon it's just an inconsistency thing like if you were to name them you'd grow, you know, you'd form an attachment with them. And then if you have 10 Geodudes, because you're just, you know, catching them to breed them or to just trade them or just, I don't know, do whatever you want, like have them be HM slaves, like it, you, it just it just takes too long, you know? But then if you you, you name, if you don't name them, or if you name like your, your starters and you don't name those guys, it's just, it's just easier not to do it. You're getting, yeah, you're, you're getting into like your, opening a can of worms there. If you nickname one, then you're suddenly revealing the person yeah. to name them all. Michael Darling steps up to that plate with a In plot. the main series You're games. that like, creative. Yeah. In the, like, you know, when appropriate. Like, if I can come up with something good for a Pokemon I've caught. Do you have like, a theme you go with? Uh, no, it's all kind of dependent on the Pokemon. Like, right, when right, I did uh, a recent playthrough of Ultra Moon, I picked uh, um, the one that turns into an Incineroar, like the cat, uh, Litten. And right. so... When it, I kept it as Litten, but then when it finally turned into Incineroar, I nicknamed it Zangief Whoa. because it is, you know, a big yeah. burly wrestler that throws people around. See, so yeah. there you go. Yeah. All right. Any closing thoughts on Starmie? Starmie it's one of the ruled. few uh, add another one monsters that I like, probably yeah. because the color and the dual star design makes it seem more dangerous and mysterious. But otherwise, yeah. it's a good Pokemon. Yeah. I got nothing and I, more. And I mean, kind of further to my theory about shinies reflecting Pokemon that are liked or more popular, this has a really cool uh, kind of quasi-futuristic cyberpunk design. It felt like very oh. Robocop futuristic. Yeah, it's like blue with a... Wait, no. It's, yeah, it's like blue? Yeah, Starmie is like that kind of like deep blue with like a red and I forget what color the jewel turns, but it's like a very interesting color combination that just felt very like weirdly cyberpunk Robocop to me. Hmm. Um, but since we've talked about at length the Pokemon as they are. Let's talk about how he would change the Pokemon. Welcome to Mon Mons. For those of you guys who are new, this is the section where we talk about one change that we would make to any of today's Pokemon, whether typing, design, adding an evolution, moveset, something like that. What do we think could improve these Pokemon in the Pokemon universe? We've got a lot to choose from today. Uh, Mr. Darling, if you could start us off. Yeah, uh, so Starmie's dex entry refers to its gem causing headaches and also sending mysterious signals into space. So I would drop the psychic type and make it dual water slash dark. Dan, normally we can find these to the Pokemon of the day, but I want to see, I want you to <laughs> tell us about what you wrote into the, the notes, please. Oh, well, so I, you know, it's funny. I, I wrote a bunch of things in the notes, uh, but I actually, I thought of a new one I'd do. So I'll just, I'll tell you about all of them. Um I uh I at first put I I'd give Pikachu a massive dick. <laughs> what? Like Pokemon being androgynous is definitely something that's like yeah it's anime curation but yeah. Yeah well. I... <laughs> Why though? Well, Why Dickachu? 
<laughs> I like Dikachu. That's uh, no. I'll 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 tell you. I'll tell you. It's uh, Pikachu has massive BDE. He's got massive big dick, uh, big dick energy, mm-hmm. and I think it always comes down to Ash with Pikachu. He he's essentially every time he's like, Pikachu, give him the dick, and then the the music plays. <laughs> And then it's just, and that's like, that's where we're all fucking amped up. And that, that's the, the climax of every episode. The climax, of course. Mm-hmm. I think that's just the natural progression of where this series is. You know, kids aren't watching this. We're all watching this. We want to see Pikachu fuck. <laughs> there it's is a, about time. We're not going to put that in the show notes, but if you guys turn off safe search on Google, you can probably find that pretty easily. Uh, you can find Pikachu fucking. That's probably true. So, Detective Pikachu. <laughs> Maybe we don't need it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the other thing I was going to do. Wait, 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 maybe we don't need the yeah, thing that you're not? suggesting that we do. I mean, you know, I'm just one guy. You know, I'm not I'm not the god of Pokemon. I don't think, you know, who I knows? mean, your stature, in, your stature in the L.A. comedy scene, I think, gives you a right to make certain. Uh, to make demands. To of, make demands of, of other Pokemon genres team, to cross. Right? Here's here's another suggestion I, I'd give. Uh, we, we talked about how. Horsey and Goldeen and all these guys, they're, they're very, like, vanilla Pokemon. Mm-hmm. I think we got to make them woke. Mm. I think Horsey has to be the dragon woke Pokemon. Mm. So that if you get a Horsey, it's not just, oh, I have this little seahorse. It's, no, I have this thoughtful, you know, Inside, like horsey horsey's gonna tell you you know not just it's not just gonna lay down a bubble beam it's also gonna tell you the environment is going to shit and we need to fix something so i mean it's in the ocean it's coming from underneath the pacific gyre it knows know yeah and i think that way you can feel good about owning it's your little buddy it's it's actually so serving wait, a you, purpose so you throw it out of the pokeball and you say horsey use bubble beam and it goes bees are dying at an alarming rate and then it shoots bubbles out yeah it, but maybe yeah it you know, knows facts those bubbles just help the ozone layer. Just it's so like, it's not going to win any battles, but that way you can feel good about your investment. You know, that like, way hey, you okay. can tell your friends, oh, no, 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 listen, I have a horsey, and that makes me better than you for this. It's like, oh, hey, like meat consumption contributes to like X impact on the environment. Like, you should really consider a meatless diet if you really want to help. But here's a bubble beam. Here's a bubble. Right. Here's okay, a... you have a Charizard. That's really cool, but... It doesn't you know... just say its name. <laughs> yeah. It shares facts. It says its name at the end. So, unfortunately, I'm the least woke person on this Pokemon podcast today because my thought is just I want to make Seedra a little bit more dragon-like. I, like, I'm thinking a little bit more closer. Like, make it halfway between Horsey and Rayquaza, who we'll deal with in two years or three years or something like that. But justify that dragon sort of, like, totally subtyping a little bit more. Um, so I was just thinking, like, elongate the body, give it four limbs, make it a little bit more sea serpent-like. Um, Ooh. What, do you, what, what happens then to Kingdra? And then I think Kingdra just becomes straight up, like, sea serpent. Like, like a giant. That's like, awesome. it starts to become, oh like, an eel. With, at first, Seedra would be just, like, eel with four limbs. So it's, like, serpent-like, but still relatively small. And then, like, Kingdra would be straight up, like, this thing's going to wreck your pirate ship. That... Sounds like it rules. Thank you. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm really into that. I dig it. But also make it woke. 
Oh, yeah. It stays woke. Yeah. It stay woke. Once you've been woke, you stay woke. You stay woke. I mean, you know, that's a, one of the more interesting reinterpretations of The Matrix I heard recently is about how The Matrix is actually like an allegory for wokeness, which is that once you've been woke to the real world, you can't be unwoke. Oh, I hate that. I know. It's <laughs> terrible. But that's why Cypher, <laughs> that's why Cypher, like, as this privileged white dude that thought he was going to be the savior when he found out he wasn't hot shit, he's like, oh, no, I want to go back in. I want to go. I want to be plugged back in. But he couldn't be. Mm-hmm. You can't go back. Yeah, there are too many hippies who became Trump voters, so uh, I don't think much. I agree with that take. On I mean, I'm not going to go any further down the red pill, blue pill thing because yeah, that's already been co-opted. Say, yeah. But so the fact that a bunch of MRAs love that and it's a concept created by two trans women is just amazing to me. The like, just the complete lack of self-awareness on the part of these people who are like, yeah, I was red pilled. I hate all of these. You know, you insert whichever minority you want to put in there. Uh, and they're taking a concept that was invented by two trans women is just completely insane to me. Like, mm-hmm. the lack of self-awareness on the part of these MRAs is nuts to me. <laughs> so, rather than discussing the depressing factors of our current world, how about we talk about bringing the Pokemon into our real world, where they can be woke or just animals? Um, welcome to Mons World. A celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. This is my world. All right, so, darling, how about you start us off here? Uh, well, I'm going dark here. Uh, the Starmie Jewel is apparently traded on the black market. That is canon uh, as a precious valuable. So I'm saying it would suffer the same fate in our world. Uh, but I'm going to throw in that you know that that jewel would totally carry a curse on it. Yeah, I read this before the show, and I quickly came up with like a fake onion news article headline which just says study find 60 percent of mysterious curses are derived from buying illegal starmy jewelry from mysterious shops that vanish after purchase <laughs> um but aside from that yeah i totally agree with the black market trades um i just think that today's pokemon for the most part would be found in red lobster tanks with the exception of starmy it would be found at outback steakhouse <laughs> um but dan you had another thought uh, about Starmie or about or about Kangaskhan about Kangaskhan. Well, I'm I'm thinking about Starmie right now. Uh, yeah, that is a depressing reality. I think my take on Kangaskhan is also kind of repress uh, depressing, because I think people would just outsource Kangaskhans to watch their kids. You know, I, huh. I don't think uh, I think people are pretty fucked up. They already treat Pokemon <laughs> as slaves already, and uh, you know, I think they're so detached and selfish and. Uh, yeah, they just they kind of get rid of that, you know, Kangaskhan uh, baby, and they probably just throw their their own kids in that pouch. You know, huh. the Kangaskhan would feel, you know, that because they don't have their child, they would just naturally have that nurturing instinct, mm-hmm. and uh, the the real parents could just you know go fuck off and do their Pokemon journey or you know have sex hmm. with whatever random professors. <laughs> they were looking to have sex with that reminds me of one of my favorite tweets from the past year where it was like the text of incineroar's pokedex entry where it's saying that it's very good with children despite it's a uh, you know outwardly angry appearance or whatever and then the next photo is a screenshot from a game of smash brothers where incineroar is just wailing on <laughs> ness and lucas from earthbound <laughs> nice well now this brings us to my favorite section mon appetit if you'd like my personal crack medicine. Mm-hmm. Surprise. All right, so this is where we talk about one of the Pokemon of the day and how we would eat them. I will go first because mine requires the least amount of preparation. 
As I said, I'm a fan of sushi, so I would just take Goldie Nigiri and Sea King Sashimi and call it happy birthday. <laughs> Easy peasy. Well, here's the funny thing about this one. I, for the most part, cannot stand fish. Like, I can eat some, like, a tuna steak I can do. I can do, like, fish sticks, but otherwise, like, eh, tuna salad also. But otherwise, yeah, I'm not a fish guy. Like, Blue can attest to this. For two years running, I have asked Michael Darling to make his birthday gift to me to try one piece of sushi. Because I enjoy the look on his face as he tries to eat that piece of sushi. And have you been able to do it? Oh, I, I mean, I'm able to get it in my mouth and eat it, but the look on my face, like, I... I'm feeling it already. Just thinking you're getting about it. like ten percent of it. What, what do you usually give him? I usually give him salmon. I usually give him like a salmon s- s- nigiri. So just like a slice of salmon over a roll of rice with some soy sauce. Right. Um, so nothing too crazy. I'm not like making him eat like you know salmon roe or anything like that. It's just and I respect that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I figured like he does it. We've t- we were talking just now about uh earlier before the show about how much we love a good delicatessen sandwich, and you know you're right there uh, with lox and bagel. Which you don't eat, obviously. Yeah, I was going to say. Tangential. It's still in the same family. It's nearby. So, yeah. So, that's... Oh, uh, so, yeah. So, I'm things. punting on this week's Mon Appetit. I'll take one of Baloo's sushi, and they'll make a terrible face. Okay. Fair enough. And, Dan, what would you like to eat? Guys, I, I put this in the notes, and I, I really didn't... You know, this this was, this was is tough because, it, again, it's, it's a horrifying question. These are sentient creatures. You know, Pokemon aren't necessarily... Uh, animals they they speak mm-hmm. granted you know the very limited vocabulary but they they have conversations with you uh in their own way they feel they cry they uh i don't know man like to eat something that you know you just had a conversation with that's that's really fucked up that said i said pikachu uh because <laughs> <laughs> i don't know fuck it all and i i just Take that bitch and roast it on a skewer. Wow. Just, you know, if you're going to do it. And just are we talking about, like, world. just straight up, like, luau pig roast? Are we talking yeah, about, Yeah, I like... want to see the head. Okay, because I was thinking. Apple in its mouth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because or... wasn't it Gil who said that he wanted to eat a certain Pokemon, like a donor kebab, and, like, shave the meat off? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember, I remember that, that one. Yeah, very sick. Very <laughs> yeah. fucked up. Yeah, so, I mean, there are two ways to go about it, but I like the I like the luau-style, like, Pikachu roast. I'll and of this week's Mons. The sushi one is probably the most appetizing. <laughs> there we go. Oh, 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 right. Did we pick that? Um, yeah, yeah. No, you're fine. That was seeking. Yeah. Yeah. But so. Uh, that's within the rules. So that's it. We made it. We made it. Dan, we survived. Thanks so much for coming on the show. You're fantastic. Yeah, it was fun. Um, where can people find you? Do you have anything coming up that you'd like to plug? What's up? Yeah. Uh, well, I do write for Crack.com, so you could uh, find me doing stuff on there. I also. Uh, I do know Gil. I perform regularly at the Pack Theater, so you can find me there. I also have my own podcast on The Bachelor. Uh, if you're a fan of that ABC show, I'm sorry, Blue, it's not NBC. <laughs> but uh, what we do, it's called The Bachelor Zone, and uh, we kind of break down every episode of The Bachelor like it's a sporting event. Oh, I love and, it. Uh, really analyze each guy and gal's moves and strategies and how effective it was it's a fun time so check that out i like it there'll be a link in the show notes and uh in the meantime mr darling where can people find you you can find me on twitter at future has been and of course you can find the mon men pod at mon men pod 
And you can find me on Twitter at Y underscore Baloo. That's W-H-Y underscore Baloo. And you can check out check me out there for other projects and, if nothing else, pictures of my super cute dog. Uh, but that being said, I am Yanata Baloo. I'm Michael Darling. I'm Dan Duddy. Thanks for being here. Any strong...